This is Meg Tilton at the ACAL Life, episode number 34, Raising CEO Kids, my interview with Sarah Cook. This is the ACAL Life, a place where LDS women, and really any woman, can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose. A place to help you realize how important you are and that this place we call Earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I hope you've all had a great week and I'm so excited that you each are here. I am especially excited to be able to share this interview that I have prepared for you today. I am interviewing my friend, Sarah Cook. She has been a friend of mine for 30 years. I don't know, something around that. She and I were in the same high school together. She was two years ahead of me. She was really the only girl that was in my high school that was LDS. We both grew up in New Jersey. And so we went to seminary together and I always looked up to her. I actually was a bridesmaid in her wedding and she is just an amazing person. And she's a woman of great faith. She's a great mother. She's an amazing entrepreneur And she just has so much wisdom in so many areas. So I have no doubt actually that you will probably hear from her again on this podcast because there are so many areas that I would love to interview her about. So I am excited though today because when I knew I was doing this month on money, she really came to mind because um, in 2011, she and her husband, Jerry Cook, wrote a book together entitled A Parent's Guide to Raising CEO Kids. And I know that teaching her children how to be entrepreneurs and how to use money wisely has been a huge thing for her in her motherhood. She has three children. She lives in the Sacramento, California area, and she has been an entrepreneur herself pretty much her entire life. She started in high school and she has um, had a business of her own now for the last 20 plus years. So she is a woman of great wisdom. She's a great friend of mine, and I'm so glad that we have been able to reconnect. In fact, when I was out in California for my coach training last summer, beginning of fall, she and I were able to get together and go out to dinner and just had a great evening. And so I'm really happy to be able to share this interview with her and her knowledge with you today on her specific focus of raising CEO kids. So I wanted to also let you all know that I have a book. I have an extra book of hers. I bought two. I purchased two from her, one so that I could read and be able to come up with questions for this interview, and then one that I could share with one of my listeners. So if you would be interested in getting this free book, um, A Parent's Guide to Raising CEO Kids, please make sure that you are on my email list. And to get on my email list, you need to go to my website at theacowlife.com and um, just go to where it says subscribe and input your name and email and I will enter you in a drawing for this book. It is invaluable. I found it invaluable actually for things that I am applying and learning to starting my own business in coaching. So it is applicable across many areas and I think it's one that you would really enjoy, especially as we kind of head into summer, I think with your kids. Um, It's something that I've started thinking about is kind of seeing where we might be able to make some extra money as a family and be able to have my kids kind of get into that. So um, if you're interested in that, make sure you go to my website at theacowlife.com and give me your email address. All right, so let's jump to the interview so that you can all enjoy that. And I hope you do. Welcome to the podcast this week, everybody. I am excited to be able to be interviewing my friend, Sarah Cook. Sarah, are you there? I am. Awesome. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here today and being able to share some of your wisdom with my listeners. 
super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. So I like all of my interviewees to introduce themselves. So would you go ahead and give us a brief introduction of who you are and a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I am a third generation entrepreneur. I've owned my own businesses for over 24 years. And I'm also a homeschooling mom of three children. Not all three are in the house. Two are in college now. And my youngest is turning 15. So we've been along this journey for a while. And I absolutely love entrepreneurship. Great. I'm super excited. So what were the entrepreneur businesses that you've had personally? So in high school, I had a business where I created and sold jewelry, and I also have had a skincare and cosmetics business for 24 years, and then my husband and I are both authors, and I've also dabbled in some social media management, uh, freelance social media management, and then I've also done some system strategies for businesses that are starting. Okay. Awesome. So you definitely have experience about what we're going to talk about today. And I think that you are a woman that has a lot of knowledge and there's many topics I feel like I could interview you about. But today, since this month I'm talking about money, I thought of you right away because I know that you are someone who has owned so many businesses and made money and for yourself and that you and your husband have really encouraged your children to start their own businesses and to make their own money. And so I thought it would be really interesting to interview you about that and that process because I think a lot of times when people have their own issues with money, it's sometimes a little bit hard if they have negative money issues to pass positive Mm -hmm. money (laughs) stories Mm -hmm. on to their children. And so, Mm -hmm. um, can you just tell us a little bit about your experience in having your businesses that then helped you create a process of helping your children start their own business? And why did you want them to become entrepreneurs? You know, honestly, I, it wasn't in my head, okay, I want you to become an entrepreneur, but I did want them to experience the joy that comes from having created something that they love Mm -hmm. and then made money from it. Because I think so many times students are trained to be employees and that's Mm -hmm. all they know. They just know, go to school, get a job. Hopefully you have that job for a long time, have a retirement and then a happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And I know having been in the workforce for part of my life and also being an entrepreneur for a large part of my life, that doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted my kids to have this experience or my children to have this experience where they could know what it was like to turn one of their passions into profit. Mm -hmm. And so when, when our children were young, I didn't want them to ever have the, the knowledge of a lot of parents say, oh, we can't afford that, mm-hmm. or there's not enough money in the bank to do that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want them to have that negative mentality with money. And so instead, if they said, oh, gosh, I really want this, then I would say, great, how are you going to create that? How can I support you in creating that? Mm-hmm. because sometimes there wasn't money in the bank for that item or for that adventure. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want them to know. I didn't want them to believe that that was mom and dad's fault. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to have power to be able to create that. And mm-hmm. so that allowed them to think, well, I could do some extra chores or pay jobs, we call them, mm-hmm. or I could approach the neighbors and see if they need some help, or I can create something. I can make some jewelry or make some cookie dough. And mm-hmm. so when we allow our children to take ownership of the things that they want in their lives, mm-hmm. then the creativity starts to process. And that's what I wanted. I wanted them to experience that power, mm-hmm. that the empowering feeling within them that they could do something because they decided to. Mm-hmm. So does that answer your question? <laughs> totally. That's a great answer. Okay. So how did they respond to that? How did they take that feedback from you? And what was the success that you saw with them? Well, sometimes they were, it was dismal failure. I mean, sometimes they wanted to have a garage sale and sell, you know, rocks they found or, you know, lemonade. And we were on a very quiet street. So there was mm-hmm. no traffic for even a garage sale or a lemonade stand. So sometimes it was very discouraging, Mm -hmm. but other times 
it was really great. My daughter was able to pay for all of her girls' camps over the years, as well as fund herself starting at 10 years old. She funded all of her trips at least once a year to go to Utah, flying on a plane by -hmm. herself. And because she was willing to clean houses or be a mommy's helper or um, do cookie cookie sales, she made tons of cookie dough over the years and sold you know, rolls of frozen cookie dough to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a great success. My, my oldest son did a lot of buying products mm-hmm. for really inexpensive and then reselling them on the internet or fixing computers virtually. So there were some really great things and there was also some really not so fabulous things. But they, mm-hmm. they met with sometimes hard times as all entrepreneurs do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to have that experience of failing within the safety net of the family. Mm-hmm. I mean, how awesome for them to have their first failure. And then you could talk about it around the dinner table or in a private conversation with mom and dad, mm-hmm. rather than getting into the world and having a failure. And then they have mortgages to pay and cars to pay for. I'd rather mm-hmm. experience, have them experience that when they're home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And that is something that I've read in a lot of parenting books that are not necessarily about entrepreneurship with children. But to really let your children fail when they're young. Yeah. And they yeah. are with you and they have like kind of that safety net a little bit where, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like, well, if you don't sell five glasses of lemonade, you're not going to be able to sleep in the house tonight because you're going to get kicked out. Right. I mean, that's oh, gonna... <laughs> shoot. Yes. <laughs> you know, like that's not going to happen, you know, where if you don't sell something when you're older and you're an entrepreneur that you're maybe not going to be able to make your house payment or, right. you know, pay for food right. or whatever. So that's really mm-hmm. um, good. So did they learn how to manage their money really well by doing that as well? Well, I'd like to say that that would be absolutely the case, but mm-hmm. some of them, <laughs> some of them didn't and it all went to pizza and junk food Mm -hmm. but that also provided a lesson learning back that he was able to look back on and say wow remember when I did that I don't want to do that anymore and now he's Mm -hmm. great with money Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it we also created or my daughter co-created a situation where she went on one of her trips and Mm -hmm. she had a ride to get to Utah on the way uh, on the way there and didn't on the way back Mm -hmm. and wasn't sure how she's going to get home. And we said, well, you know, you can go on this trip, but come, you know, find out if you can't, if, if you find out you can't get home, you're going to have to pay for a ticket to get home. And then you're going to be in debt to mom and dad. Uh-huh. And so she was able to experience debt at like the age of 11. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge learning experience for her because she realized, gosh, until I pay off mom and dad, I can't go get new outfits and new jewelry and all these things that she wanted. Mm -hmm. And so it gave her this really great experience with needs versus wants Mm -hmm. and cash flow issues. And so all of my children are great with money now because of these different experiences they've had with failing miserably with money, Mm -hmm. but then also being very well established and understanding personal finance aspects and credit and debt and credit scores and why those are important. And in mm-hmm. fact, my oldest son has probably a better credit score than we have right now because he's just learned so many things and has mm-hmm. put his credit to good use. We have mm-hmm. too, but you know, every once in a while there's dings that happen mm-hmm. <laughs> on your credit score. So mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. They've, they've learned how to be good with money by failing as well as mm-hmm. by doing some things well. Yeah. Well, I just think that's amazing. And I think that's such a great gift that you have given your children because now that two of them are out in the world and one, how old's your youngest? He'll be out in the world. He is turning 15. So he'll be out, you know, in a couple of years. Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. a freshman right now in high school. Yeah. So, I mean, that's invaluable gifts that you've given your children, but I'm sure it wasn't easy going through it at the time. And I'm sure there was some holding back on your part where because I think as a lot of times as parents we want to rush and like protect our children and yet right when we don't protect them in those instances when it's the consequences are really minor 
<laughs> you know, that actually is the when they learn the lessons that will protect them when the consequences are much greater, I think. Right. So. Right. And something that I just thought of when you were when you were talking was that, you know, you want to rush in. And it's interesting that as parents, my husband and I had different reactions sometimes. And so mm-hmm. it'll, this whole experience of teaching financial literacy and teaching money management has allowed us to dialogue about money. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, you're brought up differently. And so it's, it's been something where we've struggled together in our, in our marriage to figure out what do we think? How do we want to raise these children Mm-hmm. together so that we're on the same page whereas they didn't go to dad and he gives them cash to go buy whatever and mom said no you can't have any mm-hmm. <laughs> so right it, it, it has, it, doing this as parents will allow you t- to also have the opportunity if you choose it to strengthen your marriage and your own dialogue with money so I think as mm-hmm. you're raising your own children in having dialogues with money you'll also hopefully win some dollar wars in your family so that there won't be so many dollar wars and that there'll be more of a peaceful approach to creating money as well as managing money and having it flow. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I really like that viewpoint that you bring in that it is really something that you as a couple when you're raising your children kind of maybe have to struggle with a little bit to get on the same page Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. the whole family can move forward in the same direction when it comes to money because money is a hot topic right there's a couple hot topics in life and money seems to be one of them there are so there are yeah so you and your husband actually decided to write a book in 2011 and you wrote a book called The Parent's Guide to CEO to Raising CEO Kids. So why did you feel it was important to write this book? And can you kind of take us through what the book can do to help parents who are wanting to raise or um, are raising CEO kids? So our oldest son, mm-hmm. can I take it back a little bit longer? Our oldest son was struggling in middle school and he didn't want to have anything to do with education, but he was making money online already. Mm-hmm. And so I, as a parent, thought, what are we going to do? This child is not going to go to college and love it. He probably will never be in a job, per se, where he's, you know, just nine to five and grinding it out. And mm-hmm. so what could we do to help him? And so I started interviewing, researching, and then interviewing entrepreneurs from all around the world who had started businesses before they were 17. Mm-hmm. And they had to have a certain level of success that, kind of met my criteria. And so I started interviewing them and asking them, how did you do it? What were the, what the mindset and what made you be successful? And how did your parents support you? And, and I also interviewed a lot of the parents as well. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I needed something that was going to allow me to parent my own children. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel like there was anything out there because mm-hmm. all the parenting books and all of the, you know, most of the success books say, get a great education, go to college, you know, mm-hmm. graduate, get a job. And that wasn't, I didn't find anything for how I felt like I needed to raise my parent or my children, not my parents, how I needed to raise my children to be able to be successful in the world. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing, I started doing these interviews and my husband's much stronger writer than I am. And so after doing multiple hours of interviews, he said, you're, it looks like you're going to need some help. So mm-hmm. him being a parenting expert, he teaches uh, parenting and social policy and marriage and family. And he's an expert in adolescence and, and he's a professor. And so mm-hmm. we decided to collaborate. And I did a lot of the media piece and, and we, you know, collaborated together to write it. But a lot of the writing is really his baby because mm-hmm. he's such he's such a great author. Mm-hmm. So I have actually read the book. You sent me a copy and I read it and it was fantastic. I think it's a great resource for parents who have children who are wanting to start a business. And I actually found it really helpful and applicable to many aspects of what I'm encountering in growing my own business. So have you seen that everyone seems to benefit from the wisdom of this book, not just parents of kids that are starting businesses? Yes. Actually, many people who have purchased the book are actually entrepreneurs or they want to be entrepreneurs or their grandparents and they want to have a more entrepreneurial mindset for their grandchildren. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's just an overall great book as far as the information, because it's so uplifting. Didn't you find that, that mm-hmm. you were encouraged after reading these stories mm-hmm. of these kids? And, and, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an inspiring book because the kids that are featured in it are very inspiring. Yes. And then the parenting principles are helpful to really any parent that wants to give their children the opportunity to be more self-reliant mm-hmm. and more independent and more empowering for that generation that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think that that is the great thing. I think that the world is changing nowadays that I don't think that college is always going to be the answer for everybody and that there are so many other ways for children to be able to really um, use their creativity and to be able to um, support themselves and so I think that this book is a great example of that I mean I'm not downplaying schooling by any means but I do think that this is uh, an avenue for children who have other interests I had a roommate in college I had two roommates they were sisters and one of them was going to college and getting a college degree and the other one she just wasn't into college and she was really into photography and she has a very successful photography business so it's not like she was not making any money because she didn't go to college she just used a different talent that she had and has been able to have a business that way. And so I think that I think it's so interesting that you really looked into that because you're you were worried that your child was not going to want to go to college and not want to do maybe the traditional route that we all think of. And yet you knew that there were other avenues out there for to support him. But has he gone to college? So he is in college. Uh And he has a freelance job that he he does freelancing and he, uh, delivery. He does mm-hmm. delivering food and different things like that because he can make a whole lot more money doing that because he's researched the peak times does it when he needs to deliver food and knows when what days to take off and what days to work. Uh-huh. And he's able to do that around his college schedule. Mm-hmm. And then he also does investing already. He does some investing online. And then he also does some drop shipping. So he has a, an e-commerce business set up that he does. And he'll graduate eventually. He studied to be a, um, a programmer. So he's studying computer science. Mm-hmm. And that's something he's done since he was about 10. <laughs> you know, right. he's been into computers since he was really, really young. So mm-hmm. it's great to see he's pursuing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. But he's, I think it's interesting that you say like he knows all the peak times. Like I think that probably you encouraging to him to start his own business and him having failures, he had to do a lot of research, right? I mean, research goes into what it takes to start a business. And so he knows now when he has jobs, like this is what I'm gonna have to figure out when the most opportune times are for me to make the cost benefit in my favor, right? Yeah, it's been really, I mean, it's been really kind of interesting to, to talk with him about his process because he knows exactly when to work, you know, when to start delivering food, where he's going to get the highest tips mm-hmm. and where, you know, where to be in the city because we live in Sacramento in this metro area, where to be in the city where he's going to be able to deliver maybe a business tip or a, a business luncheon or a business delivery where he's going to get much bigger tips because it's mm-hmm. a humongous order. Does that make sense? Right. So it's been interesting to see that entrepreneurial mindset, you know, still carrying through for him mm-hmm. and making that work so that he can be in school full time and have a full time income. Right. Just invaluable. I think those are invaluable ways of thinking <laughs> that are just amazing. That's awesome. So back to the book for a minute. In the book, it is very clear that parents have to be involved in this process with their kids. It's not something where um, you can just kind of throw your kids out there. So how much time do you think is necessary for parents to really dedicate to the endeavor of their children starting their own business and becoming entrepreneurs? You know, that really is dependent upon what is it they're going to be doing. We interviewed some children and their parents had nothing to do with it. In fact, Mm -hmm. they... There were some of their parents didn't even know that that's what they were doing because mm-hmm. they were doing it, you know, at school, after school, you know, they just did it 
without even making waves in the family. Mm-hmm. That this is what was happening until they were already established as little entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. However, there were also some families that it became the whole family got involved and mm-hmm. it became such a huge venture that mom and dad quit their jobs and were basically working for this business that their children had started. Mm-hmm. And they were the figurehead CEOs of because they're not old enough to be CEOs at that, that mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. But they were it became a huge multimillion dollar venture. So. Mm-hmm it's hard for me to give a real specific answer, but I would say probably 30 minutes to a couple hours a week because they're not going to understand, okay, we need to set up a bank account. What does that mean exactly? They're not mm-hmm. going to understand, you know, necessarily what it means to have the, the protection they need to have to make sure that they're not getting into things with liability issues. There's different aspects that young children aren't necessarily going to understand. In fact, when my son was starting, I helped him write up his initial email to approach companies and and ask for products to review so that he could have those products to review on his YouTube channel because he had a tech Mm -hmm. channel and he was reviewing all these products and then he would turn around and sell them or he'd get affiliate commission and he didn't know how to write an email. Mm -hmm. And so he, he used that email over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it only took me, you know, 20 minutes or something to go back and forth with him to create what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I but think, then he managed it. Yeah. But I think, too, I think that's amazing that there's some kids that just started it without their kid, their parents really knowing. I mean, it's just kind of an innate thing within them. Because I've, I've right. heard that about right. a lot of entrepreneurs, some of them are just like, I just never wanted to work for anybody else. I wanted to run my own business from a young age. I knew that. And I think that that's so interesting. And yet other children need a lot of support to be successful because they just don't know where to start or where to begin. Right. And I think that's a good point too, that you brought up that there's differences in children and that as parents, we can't force entrepreneurship on them. Mm-hmm. I think we can provide them opportunities to say, Hey, would you like to try this? This looks fun. Mm-hmm. But the minute, and I saw this with my own children, the minute that it became my vision, my passion, my excitement, mm-hmm. they didn't want to have anything to do with it. When mom and dad became so involved that it overstepped their own dream. Mm-hmm. Then they had we had some pushback. And so we had to learn that in our own family that it had to be their baby if they were going to keep going. Yeah. So what would you encourage for parents who say, think it would be really important and a good thing for their children to start their own business, to start raising some of their own money, but the children are not coming to them saying, hey, you know, I really want to make my own money. And they don't really have any idea that that's even an option for them. Um, How would you encourage parents to kind of bring that subject up with their kids and really see and help their children develop their own vision so that it's a success? Well, one thing that I've seen is a lot of parents pay for way too much thing, way too many things in the family. Mm-hmm. And so if the, if the children do not have a desire for income, usually it's because too much is being taken care of by mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage parents to scale back, to mm-hmm. find some things that the children that you have to say, well, how would you like to create that? Because mom and dad aren't going to take care of that for you. How would you like to create that? And so creating a reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) for them to even want to have money is Mm -hmm. key. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing would be to help them look and see what other people or societies or resources are out there that need their their income, that need their support. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had options for them to be able to raise money to buy food and different supplies for homeless. And so it's not just always about what children want to buy. It's about what other things can you say, Hey, there's this, this, this need. Do you think that maybe we could do something to help that? Mm -hmm. So opening the dialogue for, for showing the children that it's not just about them, that there's other people on the planet or other animals or Mm -hmm. other places that need their income and their creation Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's enough for you to expose them to there's just this, this need that's out there. Do you think you would want to do something about that? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the children are still not going to get it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's okay too, that we need to be okay with them 
not having this desire till perhaps later on. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that with one of my children. Mm-hmm. He is, he does have some entrepreneurial side to him, mm-hmm. but right now he has no desire to earn extra money. He's mm-hmm. happy, you know, creating music and he's happy doing the things in school that he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm pushing him on entrepreneurship, I'm just going to have a lot of fights with him. So it's important as parents that we take a step back and and desire what the children desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point, because that's something that I've kind of been thinking about a lot lately, just in parenting in general, is that we have to remember as parents that our children are on their own journey, and they Mm -hmm. have to experience their own hardships and triumphs and failures in life and go after their own interests that are not always necessarily ours. And I think we sometimes like to live vicariously through them because we're adults and we think, oh, no, this is what you're really going to want to know when you're my age, which some of it is true. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that we can teach our children and push them in some directions so that they have that benefit or that leg up above their peers in some areas that are pretty universal. But in this area, like there are some kids that are just going to want to be employees. They're not going to want to be entrepreneurs. Right. 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 (laughs) So, yes. (laughs) And that's really important to remember. And I think, though, as parents, if you feel that you as a family maybe need to start a business, then and that maybe might be your vision for your family, your children don't necessarily have to buy into that vision, but they need to participate because maybe that's just what the family does because there's family rules. I mean, that's just like everything else, right? But yeah, yeah, absolutely. And my kids have worked, they've all worked for me since they were seven. mm -hmm. They've all been on payroll from the time they're seven till the time they're, you know, just before they turn 18 is when the tax laws kind of allow for parents to hire their children. But I think that that is invaluable. If you have a family mm-hmm. business or you have a sole proprietor, maybe just the, the husband or just the wife, definitely hire your children because they're going to learn some key skills. Mm-hmm. And they're also going to have great pride in helping to create something and they'll be more supportive. Yeah, because then you give them a taste kind of of entrepreneurship by seeing you mm-hmm. do it. And then also what it's right. like to be an employee. Right. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's awesome. So I think it was really interesting in the book how you talked about really that a lot of times what keeps children from being able to go after their entrepreneur dreams is the fears of the parents. Because the parents know, like I was saying before, we often know a lot of things that can happen in life and that everything isn't all roses and perfect, and that there will most likely be failures along the way. So you state in several places that children, though, are really amazingly creative. So what are some amazingly creative things that you've seen in your own children and in other children um, that they have come up with in starting their own businesses that really the parents don't need to have the fear that maybe they think that they should have? Right. Well, one of them in particular I can think of was a young girl I believe Haley mm-hmm. and she, she had a hearing, a hearing challenge and mm-hmm. she created these really great accessories. They looked mm-hmm. like earrings, but they were able to be fit onto her hearing aid mm-hmm. and she sold them like crazy. And that was super creative because it was not something that was out there and it really embraced her, her hearing challenge mm-hmm. rather than being embarrassed by it or feeling like it was a limitation. She absolutely embraced it. Mm-hmm. And was able to give part of the proceeds to nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. that, suppo- you know, supported auditory issues and things like that. Creativity is is key when you're starting a business. But some other creative ideas were people that used items that were at their house and created, mm-hmm. you know, craft ideas. One of them, Jason O'Neill, created a it was called a pencil bug, mm-hmm. and it was just a little pencil topper that fit on top of his his pencils mm-hmm. and sold those in an amazing fashion as well mm-hmm. and then went on to write a book from it and he was featured in numerous books around the world for his entrepreneurship endeavors mm-hmm. um, my own children would come up with you know recipes for different cookies so that they could create their own cookbook my daughter wrote her first cookbook when she was 10 because she wanted to be able to raise money for kids with cancer 
Mm-hmm. And so that was her avenue. She couldn't sell cookies necessarily because of all the red tape with not mm-hmm. having a commercial kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yet she could create a cookbook and sell the cookbooks. And mm-hmm. so there's always a workaround. If, if you want something badly enough, the creativity in the human spirit are what really transform things for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is, I was going to ask you this earlier and then I forgot, but you just brought it up again. And I think it's a really good point is that you should encourage your children to make money. We all need money for the world to work, but I think it was, it's really interesting how you bring up this giving back concept and that that can really motivate children. Like, you know, we have stray dogs that need to be fed in the community or like you were saying, like your your daughter wanted to raise money for cancer and she couldn't sell cookies, so she sold a cookbook. But that was really the driver because she wanted to give something back. And I think that that's such a great lesson to teach your children at such a young age that their skills and their passions and their abilities can not only bless themselves, but it can really bless other people as well. Yes. And that I believe truly, truly that that starts in the home. Mm-hmm. If, if children see their parents giving. Mm-hmm. And so I, I recommend that parents just don't send a check to pay for ties or pay for some other kind of nonprofit support. I recommend that parents also get involved, you know, collect food mm-hmm. or make humanitarian kits or whatever it is, you know, collect books to donate to the library, whatever it is, do Mm -hmm. something that your children can be involved with so that they see that Mm -hmm. need and they see what you were able to do as a family to support alleviating that need. Mm -hmm. Well, and also you teach them at the same time, the power of money to do good. Because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times Mm -hmm. we think, oh, if we make too much money, especially in the LDS church, I feel like there's this really fine line between really going after your dreams and making a lot of money. And then, well, now you have a lot of money. Like, is that too much, you know? And yet money is really what helps bless people. You can use it for so much good right in the world. And if you can see like a need that your money can help fill and you can teach that to children at a very young age, that's invaluable to me. Right. Well, and I think too, you brought up, especially in the LDS community, because we see the Book of Mormon and we see this pride cycle Mm -hmm. and we see what's happening is they, you know, they get blessed Mm -hmm. and they're super prosperous. And then their downfall and then, you know, they humble themselves and then they're blessed again. And, Mm -hmm. and so I think the key piece of this is to teach ourselves as parents, but also to teach our children that throughout the prosperity, we are humble and we Mm -hmm. always are giving. Mm -hmm. And when you allow your gifts and talents to bless the world, Mm -hmm. then, and you stay humble, then Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father is going to continue to bless you that you could continue to help your family be Mm self-reliant and you can continue to help other people because that's key. It's Mm -hmm. super key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember a gospel doctrine lesson that I was in one time and I had to really kind of bite my tongue quite honestly, because we were talking about money and just how it, it kind of was in a negative light about money that money, you know, can really cause people to, I don't know exactly, I should kind of paraphrase this, paraphrase this a little bit better. But basically, everybody started um, chiming in about all these people that make a lot of money. They're like, well, look at, you know, Bill Gates, he like has so much money, you know, is he doing good with his money, which I think he is. I mean, he does amazing things with Mm -hmm. his money helping. And they were just kind of being a little bit negative. There was like a negative um, thing about people with money. And I finally raised my hand. And I said, listen, like, all of us in this room are have so much money compared to the rest of the world. And we are right. so blessed that we should all be doing good. It's You can't be saying that people who make millions of dollars are the only ones that are capable of blessing other people because Mm-mm. we are all Mm-mm. in a position to bless people right. with the money that we have. I mean, it goes back to the widow's might, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, if, if the, if our 
if our giving is not requiring sacrifice, then we're not giving enough. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, I would have to find that quote, but that was, that was kind of in the core. It's, okay. Can we double our fast offering this month? Because mm-hmm. it, I think we need to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. But, you know, there's always that battle. Like, what are you going to do? with the blessings that you've been given. Because I think that there is importance in always advancing our own selves too. Like, like are we pushing ourselves to achieve greater and greater things? And in fact, in the book, you talk about this. And I think because I am talking about money this month, I thought the line in chapter six was really interesting where you stated, do not put a limit on your earning potential, whether you were an adult or a CEO kid. And so I wanted to ask your opinion and your experience. Have you seen people put limitations on their kids' earning potentials? and on themselves? And if so, why do you think people do this? I think there's a lot of reasons. I Mm -hmm. think part of it are our scripts. Mm -hmm. We have scripts as children. We have scripts as we're, you know, getting older. We have scripts once we become adults. Mm -hmm. We have scripts when we've seen certain things handled with money. So I think sometimes we put limitations on ourselves because we're afraid of what we're going to do with the money Mm -hmm. or because we're not clear on what our goals are. Mm-hmm. And so we sabotage our, our goals and then, and hence we limit our income. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we do sometimes with our children is we might put limitations on how much they can earn because we're afraid that people won't respect them. Maybe they're, maybe they won't have friends or people will take advantage of them. So I, I think all of it goes back to what was your programming what is your programming? What are you telling yourself right now? And I know personally, I had some negative programming with money. And I know mm-hmm. my husband did as well. Mm-hmm. And we've had to consciously, like, write out different scripts, and uh-huh. repeat them and practice them and dialogue them. And I remember having to break the habit of saying, gosh, I just don't have the money for that. And I what I did was I put $100 in a $100 bill in my wallet. And so I could never say that. If I said that, I don't have money for that, I'd be lying. And so my my choice to change the script rippled through the rest of my our life because I had to stop saying that because I always had at least $100. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I refer to those as money stories. Like everybody has a money story, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. usually develop when we're younger, and they carry over into adulthood. So I think that that's so fascinating. So would you mind sharing a little bit, like what was your money story that you had to change? Well, a, a few different ones. There was a, there was quite a few different money stories. One mm-hmm. is that I, my mom, and I, I'm not, I don't want to disparage my parents at all. My, my mom never worked out of the house until after I was, after my brother and I both had graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. And so in my head, I had to change this script that it's okay for me to make money. I'm not being a bad mother mm-hmm. by making money. Mm-hmm. That was really hard for me because when you're mm-hmm. making two, three, four, five, seven thousand a month mm-hmm. and you think, oh my gosh, if I'm making money, then I can't be a good mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was one of the big scripts. I had uh-huh. to change. The other was that um, one of the other scripts was that it it wasn't okay for me to have nice things because mm-hmm. I saw my dad always had you know corporate jobs and so his a lot of the family clothing expense budget would go towards helping dad get new shoes or a new suit or you know whatever mm-hmm. and we did without right and my mom doesn't care so maybe she wouldn't have it, had there been extra money she wouldn't remember even gotten clothes. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like she right. may have not even cared. Right. But in my head, the, the story was, it's not okay for mom to have X, Y, Z, because I should be spending it on something else, dad or the children or the house. Mm-hmm. So I had to change that script as well, because I didn't, I didn't want my daughter to carry on with that same script. I wanted her to have what she wanted to have within reason. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. need to explore all of our wants. We need to have mm-hmm. some needs versus wants right. um, balance. But I started really approaching my, my stories and saying, is this a story that I want to have as a legacy or do I need to change it? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that is really interesting. And that's actually going to be a topic that I talk about in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be interviewing three women and interview and asking them about their money stories. And I think that mm-hmm. this is a great um, kind of segue into that. Um, we're kind of getting off the entrepreneur children, but I think that this is all important because I think as parents, if you're going to encourage your children to make money and to do good with money, you have to be really clear on your own stories because you're going to pass those on to your children. Right, right. And I think too, in the LDS faith, this, you know, my audience is LDS. So I think that that's true. Like I have struggled with my own story of that as well, where if I'm making money, then then am I a good mom? Because Mm -hmm. to do that, you have to take time. And so you're not with your kids, you know, 24 seven necessarily. And your energy and your mind power and all that goes into your business. So how did you change that? What's your new story now? Well, I think there's a process of, you know, changing that. It, it, mm-hmm. It's not something I'm perfect at still, mm-hmm. but something I still have to say, this is okay. If it, you know, if it creeps back up in my head, it's important that we realize that our stories don't just go away because we feel like we've addressed them one time. Sometimes mm-hmm. they come back up. So how I've changed it though, is by consistently making choices. So I knew that I wanted to fund my retirement. I wanted to have some self-reliance on myself. And so Mm -hmm. I, for years now, have maxed out my own self-employed pension, Mm -hmm. my own retirement plan for myself, because I wanted to model for my children that that it was important for them to take care of now, as well as take care of their future. Mm Mm-hmm. Another thing that I started doing is I would portion of my sales. Okay, if I sell this amount, then I'm going to go do this, buy this, get this, you know, have this experience. And so I would make, I would bonus myself mm-hmm. and I would make my income part of my taking care of mom funds, which mm-hmm. then gave my, I gave myself permission if I hit this certain goal that I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And then I didn't feel guilty about it because I had bonused it in. Like I had set aside that, those funds mm-hmm. based on what I was willing to do. It So it made me work harder. And mm-hmm. I also said, okay, because I want to hit these goals, I'm going to hire some other things done. So I hired a housekeeper for a period mm-hmm. of time mm-hmm. because it was important for me to hit some personal business goals. Mm-hmm. But it was also important that our house stay clean. Mm-hmm. And for a, a little teeny bit of time, I also had a nanny that, mm-hmm. that I hired to come in for a few hours a day so that my youngest, um, at the time we had, you know, he wasn't even a year old, but I wanted him to have someone that could be there so I could make my client phone calls. I could do the things I needed to do that were paying me dollars. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to be a mom with them rather than being mom, entrepreneur, mom, entrepreneur, mom, entrepreneur, and you're totally distracted. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I leveraged my dollars to buy myself more time. Mm, That's really interesting. You know, to use your dollars to buy yourself more time, really to do the things that you Mm -hmm. want to do. Because it's true, like, you know, you don't have enough money, well, then you're stuck doing things that you don't want to necessarily do, as opposed to things that you might want to do if you did have a little bit more money, and be able to spend that money in a way that would give you the the things that you really want in your life. So that's really interesting. I really appreciate that insight, because I think that it's something that a lot of LDS women struggle with. And I know that I have struggled with that same thought, like, am I being a bad mom because I want to make my own money? And I feel like this is an important thing to do for our family in the sense that, you know, I kind of think we live in a day and age now where we not only need to teach our children these things, but we need to be living these things because I look at it as kind of food storage. You know, we're asked to have food storage. But, you know, my husband went through a time where, we were almost having we were I was pregnant with our fifth and he was a month away from being born and his company went through layoffs and there were eight people in his mm. company group and three of them got let go and he came home and he said, There's no reason I wasn't let go. He said, I don't know why. And it was just really a big wake up call for me because I have a degree in veterinary technology, but for me to go back to work, I would make 
maybe $20,000 a year. And that's just not going to cut it for a family of seven, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I was like, I need to do something now that I can do while my kids are still at home and that I can build slowly, you know, and not have to leave the home a ton. And that could potentially um, be a much bigger earning potential for me. And, you know, if my husband did lose his job, that I could earn money for the family in some way that would be enough. Because we live in a much different day and age. It's not like the 50s or 60s where everybody stayed in a job for 30, 40 years and then you retired. Like people change a lot and the economy is constantly changing. And so to be able to have versatility is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I could talk to you all night. <laughs> I think we're recording this on in an evening. So, and I know you have so many other areas of expertise. And so I would love to have you back on the podcast again about some other stuff. Sure. But, sure um, but in terms of your book, C- Raising CEO Kids, um, can you tell my listeners where they can go to find out more information and kind of follow you and be able to perhaps get the book themselves? So the book is able to be gotten on Amazon. Most mm-hmm. books on, on the planet are able to be gotten there. So you can go to Amazon and get the book, The Parents Guide to Raising CEO Kids. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a Facebook, which is uh, Raising CEO Kids. So it's just facebook.com forward slash raising CEO kids. And we have article links on there. And we also feature different entrepreneurs. Not all of them are in our book. Some of them we've ventured onto or we've found since the book was published. Mm -hmm. But that's a great place to be. And it's a community of about 2200 people that have been following us since we've written the book. Great. So I really encourage all my listeners to go and check that out because it has invaluable resources and really get the book if you want to help your kids, if they're kind of leaning in that direction, or if you want to even start a business yourself. There's so much wisdom in that book for everybody. And I think they really bring up some really great points. So I thank you for sharing that with us today, Sarah. And thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. So I just love that interview and I love Sarah and I love all of the wisdom that she has to share with all of us. And I'm so thankful that she was so willing to come on the podcast and talk about her book as well as much of her experience in running her own business and her own money stories, because we all have money stories as I talked about last week. So I will be talking more about money next week, and I'm excited to share that podcast with each of you. And if you are interested in this book that we talked about today with Sarah, again, make sure that you are on my email list and you get on that by going to the 8calife.com and inputting your name and email list. All right. I hope you all have an amazing week and that you can find the beauty in all things and all aspects of your life and just make it a good one. And I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.